The same thing with that Christmas wreath. I look at that thing and it's a, it's a, a circle of eternity. No beginning, no end, evergreens, all of these beautiful things to give me a picture that God's plan is wrapped up in victory in my life. Look at John 16, 31. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing today? Merry Christmas. Actually, officially, Merry Christmas Eve. But, uh... You know, I start celebrating Christmas generally around, around January 1st. July 1st. And then I start watching Christmas shows. July 1st. Yeah, and, and July. Actually, yeah, I start watching Christmas yeah. shows in January. Do you, you know, I, I love the time of year. I love Christmas. I love everything about this time of year. But we were just talking about it in the prayer room in the back. Christmas is the reality of life folks we have Christmas and because we have Christmas we have victory because we have Christmas we have overcoming dominion because we have Christmas you say well isn't it about Jesus yes it's because we have Christ that we have Christmas and the, the thing that the enemy hates worse than anything is this time of year Because this time of year, Jesus is legal. I mean, he can shut everybody down all the rest of the year, but at Christmas time, I I am so excited. I have listened to to more television. I I don't listen to hardly any television, but I've heard more Merry Christmas this year than I've heard, and I can't tell you how long. I go to the store, and I tell you what, your pastor ain't, ain't, ain't... ain't bashful Merry Christmas I shout it from the rooftop and if they t- tell me happy holidays I say Merry Christmas louder and then I'll look them right in the eye and you know what they'll do they'll say uh, Merry Christmas sir folks 2,000 years ago Jesus wasn't bashful he said Father forgive him Father forgive him and he said I'm doing it for you ladies and gentlemen we have Victory, power, dominion. And today, I am as hungry and as thirsty for Jesus as I was the very first day I met him. 
How about you today? Sing with us. All who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain. Dip your heart in stream of life. Let the pain and the sorrow listen to this. Be washed away in the waves of His mercy. Come on, lift your voice. We sing, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, come. Lift your voice and invite the Lord into your house. Everybody lift your voices, sing it out. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come on, let this be your prayer this morning as you lift your hands to the King. fill this place with your presence Lord fill this place God with your glory God we don't come to do church as usual God we come to have this place filled 
with your presence. God, it's not about, about preference. It's not about performance. It's not about anything but your presence. All who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain. How many feel the stream flowing already? Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you, Lord. Come on. How many believe that? Here we go. When you go to sleep, you see angels putting on the ritz. Our God is an awesome God. Thunder in his footsteps, lightning in his fist. Our God is an awesome God. Lord, he wasn't choking to kick them out of Eden. He wasn't for the reason that he shed his blood. Turn his very soon, better be believing. Our God is an awesome God. Our God. He's an awesome God, He reigns from heaven above His wisdom, power, and love. Our God Come on, is an awesome again. God. Our God is an awesome God, He reigns from heaven above His wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. How many believe that today? On that day, all those years ago. Of the night. Awesome you know what? He spoke into the darkness and he created the light. Our God is an awesome God. Judgment to man pulled out of Sodom. Mercy and grace he came to set the cross. I hope that we did not do the secret God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Come on, just the voices, everyone. Our God is an power and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Yes, He is. Our God is an awesome God. Shout in the house of God. The Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Oh God, we thank you, Lord. Yes, He is. Our God 
try to do a victorious life we don't go to church we have church why because we are the church church isn't a place you go church is a place you are everywhere i am can i tell you church is there and if you've ever sat out in the public with me as the pastor it won't take you long to know we want to have church because folks there's nothing better to talk about oh god He's an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. Some power and love. God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. We'd like to welcome you to Victorious Life. I'm Pastor Tim. This is my beautiful wife, Jewel. We are so grateful on this Christmas Eve morning that you're here with us. If this is your first time with us, we welcome you. If this is your 101st time with us, we welcome you. We have one desire, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, and that's to bring glory the King of God. And His name is Jesus. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Majesty on high. And in this place, He is here. He said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. How many came here today here from Jesus?
palm of his hands. Your time, my time. He knows the day we're born. He knows the day we're going home. The Father, the Spirit, the Son.
Give him a hand clap of praise, would you? Come on, shout to the Lord this morning, church. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, today. God, you are mighty. You are high and lifted up. And the presence of your glory fills this place. God, 2,000 years ago in a place called Bethlehem, the world says nobody knew, but the truth is the scripture declared hundreds of years before, and everybody knew. Change was about to happen. You were about to step out of eternity into time and change everything. And Lord, in that little town of Bethlehem, the light of the world shone. And he came forth. The Savior, the Lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world. God, there was no fancy bands playing, marching drums, there was no accolades on this earth but Lord heaven was shouting the angels were shouting God and they broke through that night of nights God they went to shepherds God a lot of times we think well who am I who am I well if you know anything about Israel and shepherds they were the lowest of the low They were the who am I's. How could God quite possibly do this for me? The very first ones to hear about it were the shepherds. The who am I's. So if you're here and the devil tries to beat you with that, who am I? What am I? You are the very reason Jesus died. That's who you are. And out of a lowly manger, out of the stable. The Bible says the King of Glory came. Now, folks, there was an earthquake at Calvary 33 and a half years later. But can I tell you, the earth was quaking on that day. Hell was trembling on that day. And 33 and a half years later, all Jesus did was sign, sealed, and delivered. But he promised. Can I take you back to that night? Silent night. Oh, those who were something 
nothing. All the while, God telling us, I have done this for everyone. And then he sealed it saying, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. Doesn't that make a glorious day? That's a promise that you and I can have. No matter who you are, where you've been, God says, if you let me, I'll get you where you're going. that night, that night of nights, heaven was awake. They weren't sleeping. Hell was nervous. They weren't sleeping. But the Bible says across the lands, all were sleeping. Except possibly some people they call the wise men. Now we don't know. We 
We think there were three only because of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the reality, historians say there were many. Because they looked in God's book, in that holy Bible, in the little book of Micah, one of the minor prophets, chapter 5, verse 2, prophecy came forth of one of the lowliest cities in all of creation at the time, a little town called Bethlehem. The wise men weren't asleep. They were wide awake. They're saying the king's there, and we want to go meet him. The king's there. Can I tell you something? That same king is here this morning. And he wants to meet you personally. Now, folks, I I know church is supposed to go in certain things, but periodically, you know, I just, I thank God, because he's in charge of his church, he likes to do things his way. And so I just wonder this morning if maybe you've sang the songs, you've known the melodies, And in your younger days, you thought Carol was the name of a person, not the name of Christmas songs. But this morning, you realize there's something different. 2,000 years ago, at a place called Bethlehem, there was a baby born. 2,033 33 and a half years later, there's a place called Calvary. But the reason he was born was not to live. It was to die. That you could have hope. Folks, we live in a pretty hopeless society, hopeless world. But I can tell you, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can walk around with your head lifted high because you have more hope than most of the people you'll ever know. But maybe today you're saying, what? What is this all about? Well, if you would like to find out, I would like the honor of meeting you right down here at this altar. I'd like to introduce you to my Savior, my Lord, my King, Jesus. Maybe you don't know Him. Would you just quickly step out of your chair as we continue singing? not trying to put you on a spot, not trying to do anything to make you feel uncomfortable. We're just trying to get you to the place to where today literally becomes the first day of the rest of your life. If that's you, quickly, before I change the order of this service, your heart's not right with God, you've never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe today you're walking away from Him. And you say, it's time to come home. If that's you, would you come quickly? Would you come quickly? Praise God. Others, be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not the one that you're going to stand before on that day. I'm not the one. You're going to stand before Jesus. And it's not going to be, well, did you go to church? That's not going to get you to heaven. Did you pray a prayer? Folks, that's not going to get you to heaven. When you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life and he's become your Lord, your King, and your Savior, 
and you chose to live a life for him, that's what gets you to heaven. I don't know what's going to happen, if there's a question going to be asked, but I've always in my heart of hearts thought it was going to be something simply like this. I'm going to stand before God, and he's going to ask me very simply, what did you do with my son? He's not going to ask me, well, I understand, did you get hurt? Did you get bothered? Did you get something? No, he's going to ask you, what did you do with my son? And you know what? All that's going to have to be said is, Lord, I asked him in my heart, and I thanked him for the life he gave for me. If you're here and you haven't done that, or you've done that and you've walked away, it's time to come back. Quickly, before we change the order of this service, step out of your chair and get down and join these people who have come and said, I, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I want you both to look at me. get excited in the house of God.
is he? Jesus is Lord. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in the house of God. Side was lit up with the angels. This is what happened. Set the night wind to the little lamb. You see what I see. This is what happened. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. Do 
house belongs to the Lord and he is in the house today. I'm going to ask the ushers to come if they would. Part of worship and part of him being the king is yielding all of our lives to him. Yielding all of our lives to him. In a kingdom, everyone in that kingdom is subject to the king. How many know that to be true? In that kingdom, how many know that everything belongs to that king? I know sometimes we think that it belongs to us, but the Bible teaches that in a kingdom, everything belongs to the king. If some of you are asking me what I'm doing, I'm a little type A, so I got to make sure they're all in order. So they're all nicely in order. So when we give our life as Bill and Diane and Norma, you say, well, Pastor, how do you know their names? Did did God show them to you? No, I met them before service. (laughs) See, I go around and get to know folks, and I saw folks I didn't get to know. And you know what I did? I introduced myself. I said, hi. When we yield our lives to the king, then we're saying, God, everything belongs to you. And folks, yes, that includes your finances, your resources, your gifts, your talents, your time. Just fill in the blank. It all belongs to him. And when we, we call it giving on Sunday, but actually we're not giving. We're returning what belongs to him. And I know this sounds, sounds bad, folks, but we live in a country where one of the blessings that God gives us is you're able to write your giving off on your taxes. This Sunday and next Sunday is the last time you can give for 2017. You say, well, Pastor, what happens if I come in on Monday of 2018? I, I bet you'll give it to me for 2017, not at this church. Because that would be lying. So if you want to do that, and uh, that is something you're uh, looking for, uh, and I, I encourage you, folks, we're one of the only countries in the world that give tax deductions. And so I would encourage you uh, this week, next week, the building fund. God has blessed us immensely. If you look at your, your – go ahead and give my hand clap of praise. I, I don't have a bulletin, but it's down to how much? Somebody shout it out. 21,000? 
Folks, can I tell you, in January, it was almost 80,000. And now it's 20,000. But we could knock it out before the end of the year. You know, God just blessed us. Somebody, uh, somebody gave us 25000 towards the building fund just a few weeks ago. Folks, it's exciting. But I say all of this to say, folks, this is God's house. And the way God takes care of his house is through his people. And you know how you're his people? Is when you have yielded everything to him. Charles Haddon Spurgeon put it better than anybody. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. So today as we give, as we return to God, (coughs) I want to do something. Every week we pray, we lay hands on it, and we ask God, God, we give this to you. And then we, as my wife and I, we, we pray before we give, we pray while we're giving, okay. But take a moment and say, God, if I haven't been putting you first in every area, in finances, in talents and gifts and time, <coughs> sorry, Thank you. If I haven't, God, let me start today. Let me start today. So I want you to, I want you to pray that prayer with me. Okay? I want you to pray that prayer. And I'm going to ask the ushers up here in front to come join hands with me, would you? Okay? Because they're going to be receiving as we return. Gals, guys. And I want you to stretch your hands. I know they're inanimate objects, these baskets. But God uses them. And he uses them from hearts just like yours. So I want you to pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, today, I'm going to begin again to do brand new before you. And God, today, be glorified in all I do. God, these these tithes, God, they don't belong to me. They belong to you. I'm just returning them. These offerings, God, they don't belong to me. They belong to you. I'm just returning them. Everything is yours, God. The earth and the fullness thereof. So God, today, let me know you as king, as lord, as majesty, as I yield myself to you. I thank you for it. Bless the time, bless the offering, bless the hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you're giving towards the building fund, please write building fund on it so we can take care of that. And let's get this stuff done and start 2017 as we have always been debt free. Amen. Our God is an awesome God. He's God, He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Say it again. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is.
Just the congregation. Just the congregation. One more time, church. Yes, he does. The, the, the folks in the back will tell me afterwards, but um, if you didn't uh, know this, in these envelopes, you can, you can uh, tithe electronically. You can put your debit card in there. You can do this text message. Folks, we, you, there's all kinds of ways you can give. I've had people say, well, I never had the opportunity. There's all kinds of opportunities. So uh, we're just going to worship and, and just thank God for that. If you're here for the very first time, I wonder if you take a in the moment in the back seat of your pockets, back pocket of your seats. Like I said, folks, I get my I get my tongue wrapped around my eye teeth and I can't see what I'm talking about. In the back pocket, back behind your chair is a guest card. I ask you if you would take a moment and fill that out. Uh, outside, we have a wonderful guest reception area. And uh, they have a gift for you if you'll just turn that in. Uh, You say, Pastor, why do you need all that information? I like to call folks. I call folks and I see how they're doing. And and, uh, so I kind of do that regularly. So if you could take a moment and fill that out. Am I forgetting something, Bob? Oh, yes. Take a moment, look at the stream, folks, if you would. Get recharged every Wednesday night. We have our weekly Bible class in the sanctuary. This is a great time to ask questions and join the conversation. We also have a thriving youth group. Classes for the kids and nursery care is provided. That's Wednesday nights starting at 6.30 p.m. Pink and blue sunglasses. Two colors. Two views. I liken it to the fact that God designed women to look at the world through pink sunglasses and it colors what she sees. And she wears pink hearing aids, and it affects what she hears. And she speaks through a pink megaphone. And she expects everybody to know what she means by what she says. All of her girlfriends do. When she says through that pink megaphone into their pink hearing aids, I have nothing to wear. They say, oh, sweetie, we don't either. But we're going to go shopping later. Do you want to join us? Isn't that amazing? They all know what she means by what she says. He, on the other hand, has blue sunglasses, and it it colors what he sees. He has blue hearing aids, and it affects what he hears. And he speaks through a blue megaphone, and he expects everybody to know what he means by what he says. When he speaks through that blue megaphone, all of his buddies do. He speaks through that blue megaphone into their blue hearing aids. I have nothing to wear. She ain't doing your laundry either. 
Save the date. We will be having a love and respect marriage conference this February 9th and 10th for couples. This will be a fun time that you will not want to miss. Ladies, you won't want to miss our next Women of Virtue meeting Monday evening, January 8th at 6.30 p.m. As Beverly will be teaching us about husbands and the other men in your life. Bring a friend as we have a fun night of learning about our relationships with men and what God's Word has to say. The Tuesday Morning Ladies Bible Study will begin a nine-week study called Children of the Day by Beth Moore. Tuesday, January 9th at 10 a.m. Workbooks will be available in the first class for just $20 each. Welcome to today's service. We're so glad you've joined us. Folks, we usually have a, other folks that lead the worship, as, as most of you know. And so every once in a while, they all throw me in the, in the mix. And so if I've missed anything, it's not them. I can guarantee it's me. Okay? Just, okay. Just like the children's ministry, he's back there waving at me. Uh, kids, you can be dismissed. See, that's why they don't put me up here too often. They say, Pastor, you do okay with the preaching part, but the rest of it, let us professionals do it. I, I am excited about today. I, um, I have the privilege every Sunday to preach. And I have shared with people for years, it's kind of a, a week-to-week thing. If I do good this week, Pastor Ray will let me know I'm good for next week. And so, uh, okay, maybe it's not exactly that way, but it works that way. But uh, I have the privilege of standing behind this desk every week. And I want to share just a little intimacy about me. It is the most profound, awe-inspiring, and fearful thing, fearful thing I do every week. Because my Bible says I'm going to be held accountable for this word that I preach. I work, I don't want to say restlessly, but uh, relentlessly to make sure I'm preaching God's word. Because it's the only hope. The Bible says it's, it's life and health to those that find it. And so when I have the privilege to stand up here and do this, there is no other objective I have but to help you to get from where you were to where you're going. And the only way that can happen is if I address things right where you are. And so that's why at Victorious Life, if you've, how many have had a chance to listen to our Sunday morning programs on the radio? Okay, several hands are going up. We, we're, on, uh, we're on four different radio stations every Sunday morning at 645 on on three, uh, two, I know the name. There's one they keep telling me, and I can't remember the name of it. It's one of the, the uh, conglomerates. And it's uh, CAF Radio at 645, Arizona Shine at 645. And then we just started a few weeks ago on the Big Talker Radio, which is the conservative talk radio here in Flagstaff. And uh, it's on at 805 on Sunday mornings. And so... I was praying, and I've done this over the years, and I'm saying, God, I, you know, I'm not under the delusion that people are going to come to church. And it's the world we live in. 
Matter of fact, the Bible says that the, the day preceding the Lord's returns, people are going to come to church less because they're going to be so busy. And like I said, one of the things that God said belongs to him is your time. And uh, folks, I don't ask God if I have time. I say, God, it's your time. Thank you for what I have. And so in, in this church, uh, on our, our Sunday morning radio programs, I, I open it by asking people, sit back, sip a cup of coffee. And I'm going to share some words with you that will be enlightening, encouraging, but most likely challenging. You know why? Because my Bible says, if I as a pastor am not growing God's people, I am nothing more than a hireling. Think about that. You say, well, pastor, why would you be a hireling? Because I'm so concerned about what I preach that I don't want to offend anybody. And, you know, offense is part of the gospel. Why? Because it's part of growth. How many old, well, old enough, young enough, I don't know how you say this, to remember growing pains? You remember you, you went to bed at 13 years old, you woke up the next morning, you were a foot taller? And you didn't know if somebody beat you through the night, but every bone in your body hurt? Everything in your, I know some of you are going, I'm a little junior down here, that's, my Lord, that, that boy got here, he was, a, he was as tall as this candy cane. Now look at him. It's pretty tough when dad has to look up at him. Well, that's, that's what happens. Well, folks, it's supposed to be that way in the church. When you leave, you're supposed to be encouraged, enlightened, and challenged. So at Victorious Life... I get to be the bearer of challenge to help us to grow. How many are okay with that? And so that's what we do. So this morning, uh, you know, I encourage you to get up and, and listen to the radio program. Uh, God, you know, began to deal with me about, about people not coming to church. He said, you got to get the message out there. So uh, God blessed us, and we were on the radio uh, all over all over the city, uh, all over. I don't know what's it's like a you know, 400-mile radius or 300-mile radius or something like that. And it's just, folks, it's exciting. I can't tell you the, the phone calls, uh, emails, text messages that they get because that some of them will call the radio station and say, how do I get a hold of that guy? What guy? You know, that, that guy on the radio. And so I'll get things and said, you know, I rededicated my life because of what you said. I gave my life to the Lord because of what you said. I can't make it to church, but I tell you what, you are my church on Sunday morning. Folks, we got to get the gospel out of these four walls. Are you okay? For the last few weeks, for the last few weeks, we have been talking about Christmas legends. Uh, Miss Beverly and Sarah have done an incredible job of putting the different um, dramas uh, and the different stories together. And, and all I've done is have the ability, by God's grace, to expound upon them. Tonight, we have our, our Christmas presentation. It's called The Toys Story. And you, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be the, the, the toys are going to talk about what Jesus and Christmas is all about. It's, it's going to be an exciting time. And, and I, 
I'm looking forward to, to hearing from that perspective. We, we've been talking about Christmas legends. And I want you to look at your notes because I've titled this very purposely, Christmas is not a legend. It is the reality of all life. Christmas. We think it's just a holiday that comes once a year and, and everybody wants to pull their hair out until it's done. I, I imagine many of you will still be going to the stores this afternoon. Folks, it, it is uh, what it is. My wife and I, we drove down to Phoenix, left up bright and early yesterday morning, got home late uh, last evening uh, to go see some of the kids and the grandkids and and uh, the other ones that are in Seattle and California, we mailed things to them. But it's a stressful time of the year. But I think a lot of the stress comes not with the fact that, yes, it's busy and the hustle and the bustle, but I believe there's a spiritual dimension that the enemy just loves to make us not like this time of year. I have said something in our church for many, many years, and if you've never written it down, you need to. Every physical fruit has a spiritual root. And if you're going through struggles in your life, the very first thing you need to do if you're a child of God is look in the mirror and say, okay, God, what's my part in this thing? What's your part in this thing? And what's the devil's part? Because we blame the devil for way too much. Because most of us not him. It's just he puts a little irritation out there and we go to town with it. We've looked at the legends of Christmas getting into your notes. But the whole basis of the messages on the legends was that we were looking at how these legends really become the realities of our life. And the underlying truth that we have found is that all things are not as they seem. And as we saw over this past month, many throughout the stories, throughout Christendom, throughout the world, did not fully accept nor understand God's Son coming into the world as He did was the way God chose. Folks, God could have sent His Son as a full-grown man. God could have sent his son as a conquering king. But he chose to send him as a baby for those that have no ability to take care of themselves. For those that have no rhyme or reason to what in the world is life all about. God wants you to know just like that little baby in that manger. No clue. If you're like me at times and just ask my wife, I got no clue. She missed a great place to say amen, but she didn't say it. <laughs> but Wilford next to her did. <clears throat> but there's folks, there's times that I've got no clue. I, I, I've been called naive. I'm pretty street smart, but there's some stuff. I was having a conversation with my wife. No, I will not tell you what it was. And I had no clue what it was. And she just bust a gut laughing at me. And then she had to go out to the, to the website or to the YouTube or to something on the Internet 
And she showed me a picture. This is what you're talking about. And I said, I got no clue. (laughs) Well, folks, that's just like it is when Jesus came. God, why did you send a baby? Because God wants all of us to know that when we don't have it all together, he still loves us. When we have to get people involved in our life, it's not because we can't, it's because he will. Folks, all things are not as they seem. We expect a conquering king, but he sent a suffering servant. We expect God at the answer of prayer to deal with everything and get it gone, but it doesn't happen that way. In the legends of Christmas, I'll think we have that screen off because of the stuff, so you all have to look this way. So I'll try to get out of the way as much as I can. In the legends of Christmas, <laughs> okay, I can't do that. So we found that all things were not as they seem, but this simple reality rang true. And that was that Jesus did not come to solve earthly problems or do things our way. But rather, he came to resolve the earthly problem that was separating man from God. And he became the way to solve that problem. He did not come to solve the physical issues of earth. Folks, can I tell you something? All the stuff that we're dealing with in this world is not going to go away. You might as well get used to it and rise above it. It's not going to go away. Well, you don't understand how it affects me. Get over it and move on. Folks, I, I have to do these things. That I know, folks, gosh, I got I to gotta get in there. You know, I got to put addendums in everything I preach. When I say get over it and move on, people get offended. Okay, so let me start with my preaching. Ladies and gentlemen, first addendum. Get over it and move on. Close addendum. Folks, there's a lot of funky stuff happening. And there's nothing you and I can do about it. Except make a decision. How am I going to let it affect How am I going to let it affect me? And the moment I choose it's not going to affect me, all of heaven goes to battle for you. The minute you choose it is going to affect me, your buddies in hell are all partying with you. Oh, that was offensive. Folks, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just telling you how this thing doesn't seem to work, but it does work that way. He did not come to solve the physical issues of earth, but the spiritual issues of eternity. He helped us to see. When we went through the the three legends that we spoke about up to this point, the cutting down of the trees, the little trees, and I'm going to talk about them in just a moment. They had their plans, but God had his. And then he sweetened it. Did you know the Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance? When I think about that candy cane, that's sweet. 
Man, I can lick on that thing and think about God's goodness all day long. He sweetened the understanding of his plan. And he said, guys, if you'll just, if you'll just give it to me, I'll take your plans and I'll make an amazing thing out of it. And you know what he did in the last story we talked about was he wrapped it in a wreath, a wreath of victory that you and I set out or we lift up. Did you know that the representation of that wreath is eternity? And every time that we look at that wreath, if we understand the promise attached with eternity, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, I wrote eternity on your heart. Did you know that? When I look at this, this wedding ring that I wear, it, it's, a, it's an unending circle. I made a commitment to this woman. And I'm not going to break it. The same thing with that Christmas wreath. I look at that thing and it's a, it's a, a circle of eternity. No beginning, no end. Evergreens, all of these beautiful things to give me a picture that God's plan is wrapped up in victory in my life. Look at John 16, 31. Jesus said, do you guys finally believe? He's preparing to go away. He's preparing to go to heaven. And he's sitting with his disciples and he say, do you finally believe? The time is coming and now is indeed when all of you are going to leave me and you're going to go your own way. You know what he's saying? He's saying you're going to go back to what's familiar to you. You're going to go back to doing your own thing. And that's exactly what they did. After the crucifixion, if you look at your Bible, you know what Peter said? I'm going fishing. That's what Peter was. When Jesus found him, he was a fisherman. Well, okay, Jesus is gone. I'm going fishing. Things didn't work out the thing the way I thought it should. I'm going fishing. Everything didn't turn out as it seemed it should. I'm going fishing. We see all of us when things don't happen the way we think they should, we always go back to what we're comfortable with. Our familiarity. All of us. Don't look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just like you. I do the same thing. Now, of course, the longer I've been in Christ, the less I do that. But even today, every once in a while, I'll just pick up my guitar. Honey, I'm going strumming. You're going to all go back to what you're doing. And listen to what he said. And you're going to desert me. You're going to forget about me. I don't want to show of hands, but how many of you have ever gotten so bothered and so offended and so hurt and things didn't work out the way you should that God was the last person you wanted to talk to? Do you know why? Because you know God is going to make things challenging. Just like he came to Adam. Where are you, son? Yet he said, I'm not alone because dad's not going anyplace. My father is always with me. But then this is the piece I want you to underline, folks. Please, if you, if you write in your notes, you write in your Bible, underline this. As I've shared all morning, or these, this last little while, things aren't changing, folks. Can I tell you something? God didn't come to make bad people good. God came to make dead people live.
Okay, we were dead in our sins. And he came to make us live. Bad people are still going to stay bad people unless they give their life to Christ. Okay? And then if they give their life to Christ, they're not going to become necessarily really great people overnight. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So when you was bad, you was bad good, weren't you? And it took you a while to get the unbad going, didn't it? It, it is. It's truth, guys. Okay. And so, so he said, the world isn't going to change. And you don't have to give up on me. You don't have to go back to all, what you've always done. You don't go back to the familiar. Look what he says here. Underline these words. I've told you all of this, that in me you have peace. You notice I, I don't see any detour there that says in the world you have peace. He said, in me you'll have peace. You know what he said about the world? What's the next line say? In this world, you're going to have lots of problems. In this world, you're going to have lots of problems. But then he added this in and said, but take heart. Did I change the world? No. Did I fix the world? No. Is that what it says? I took away all your problems. What did he say? I have overcome the world. And because I overcame, he said, you and I can overcome as well. Okay, so you got that? Okay, if this was Wednesday night, I'd open it up for questions. But it's not Wednesday night. We got too many voices in here. But if you want to learn, you want to grow, you want to become more than you've ever become, you need to come to our Wednesday night Bible class. I, I teach it. I, I teach it most of the time, and it is. Oh, it, yeah, it is great. We just have a great time. You're able to ask all the questions you ever wanted to ask. And if I don't know the answer, Pastor Ray does. And if he don't know the answer, Pastor Philemon does. And if all of us are challenged, which us guys usually are, Pastor Jewel knows it. Okay. Quickly, if you got your notes, number one, understanding reality is part of accepting God's plan. I started to change that and say accepting God's plan is understanding reality. No, understanding reality. If I understand I'm living in a real world, I have to accept God's plan. So now we go back to the three trees we talked about, okay? The three trees, they all had these grandiose ideas, okay? One wanted to be a, one wanted to be a ship, you know, to carry mighty kings across the ocean. One wanted to be a treasure chest adorned with all kinds of majesty and glory. And the other one wanted to be just a mighty tree pointing to heaven. They all had ambitious and not wrong goals. But something happened. God sent a woodsman along and chopped them down. Can I tell you, in your life, in my life, every once in a while, God will send a spiritual woodsman down to chop down your plans. Because he said, oh, they might be fine, and I, you know, it's okay, but they're not my plans for you. And how many would rather have God's plan? Well, folks, sometimes doing God's plan is going to hurt because he's going to have to take a spiritual axe and chop you off. Man, that was worth the price of admission right there. He's going to have to come in and chop it down and say, Dan, I like you. I love you. 
but I want more of you. So I got to chop you down. And you see, that, that's that that's that challenging part. Let, let, let me share some truth with you, folks, and it's on the screen. We need to know that the whole world at times and more times than not will not be for us. And when you stand up and you proudly say, I am a Christian, they're going to say, well, what other problems you have? Because they don't look at that as a positive. I remember the very first time I started pastoring a church back in the early 80s. I've shared uh, the story. I haven't shared this particular story. Maybe I have. Uh, I went to Tyler, Texas to pastor a church. You all hear a little bit of my accent in there. It's because, you know, you can take the boy out of the country. You just can't take the country out of the boy. Yes, I don't know. So I went back there, and I went there, and I was going to rent a house. I was going to get a job. I was going to do all this kind of stuff. And I went up to this lady, and I said, praise the Lord, I'm excited. We're renting a house. Well, what are you doing here? Where are you from? And I told her where I was from. I told her, I'm here. I'm here to do a work of God. I'm going to be a pastor. And she said, that's not a plus. That was her exact words. That's not a plus. Sadly, a lot of pastors have made bad names for themselves because of their mouth. They've made bad names of themselves because of their their actions. They've made bad names for themselves because of things they've done and said. And, and, and folks, the reality is I thought, man, everybody's excited. The preacher's in town. I got in a conversation with God as I was going to Texas. I said, God, why am I going to Texas? Everything's saved in Texas. And I actually said, God, the cows are saved. Who, who am I going to preach to? And God spoke to me the words that have been basically the, the foundation of my ministry for all these years. He said, son, if you'll love them, I'll change them. So that's all I try to do is I try to love folks. I try to love folks. Let me look at this reality, accepting God's plan. We see the birth of Christ. Herod was the opposing king. He was the king in power. And Herod was not interested in sharing his throne with anyone. Okay, so much so that he killed his favorite wife. Of course, he had nine or ten, so I guess he could get rid of one if he wanted to, but that's what he did. Two of his children he killed because he didn't feel they were loyal to him. And now all of a sudden these wise men show up, and they talk about this new king coming to town. Well, how many think that might not have been the wisest thing for the wise men to talk to Herod about? Of course, they didn't know. They were just excited. They're there to proclaim the king is coming. So they proclaimed Matthew 2. Look what it says. Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? They came to Herod. They asked him this question. For we saw his star in the east. Well, they didn't know that Herod didn't want a new king to show up. So he sends them to Bethlehem. But how did he know that Jesus was being born in Bethlehem? The Bible said so. You see, these wise men, they knew they'd been searching the scriptures Can I tell you, if you search the scriptures, you'll find the answer to every single question you'll ever deal with in life. Everyone. That old book is the owner's manual to your life. So he, the wise men show and said, we, 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 uh, we saw the scripture. But, but can I tell you something? Herod knew that. Because his wise guys told him too. Matthew 2.8, look at that. It says, or, uh, excuse me. Uh, 
uh, uh, I didn't put the scripture down there. But the Bible says that they were searching for him. They were looking for Jesus. And Matthew 2 eight says, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, send to me that I can come and worship him as well. How many think that Herod wasn't planning on coming to worship Jesus? Well, we know the story because we can look at it in hindsight. Though Herod said the same thing that the wise men said, his intentions were not to worship the king. He had no intention of giving up the throne or bowing his knee to Jesus. Though you and I know that one day every knee will bow. Let me tell you why. And it's on the screen. The enemy knows if he can destroy the child, he doesn't have to deal with the man. The enemy knows if he can destroy you as a new Christian, he doesn't have to deal with the mature Christian. The enemy knows if he can get you to buy into the plan you want for your life, that he knows he'll never have to deal with the plan that God has for your life. This is why the enemy always attacks you in those beginning stages of life. Even today, many oppose the king through pride, through prejudice, through selfishness. But one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. One day, Jesus will occupy every throne, every nation, every heart. We may oppose him today. We may obstruct, resist, or even withstand. But ladies and gentlemen, the king is coming. And in your life, he may be bringing an axe to chop you down that he can grow you up. Can somebody get excited? The first thing that we have to do is we have to understand reality is a part of accepting God's plan. The second thing, and we saw how the trees, the trees finally, you know, they they, uh, said, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to be a massive ship carrying kings across the world but I'm a fishing boat and I'm carrying the king of kings. Not too bad of a job. And the little guy that wanted to be the the treasure chest, he said, well, you know, I'm not a treasure chest. I got treasure in my chest in this manger, in this Bethlehem. And his name's Jesus. And that third tree, he said, you know, I wasn't lifting up for all the world to see me. But God, you used me to be lifted up that all the world could see he who hung on me. See, God will always take your plans and chop them down if they're not his plans. And a lot of us folks in this Christmas season, I want us to grab a hold of the reality. It's time to examine our plans. And you say, how how do I do that? Very simple. You ask God, where are you in my plans, God? Are you in my plans? Am I making sense this morning? And if, if you can't find God, you say, well, how do I know it's God or not? Who's getting the glory? That's all, that's all you got to do. Ask yourself, who's getting the glory? 
And if it's anybody but Jesus, it's not his plans. Well, you know, I've, I've done all of this for this. Okay. Now what are you going to do? His plans, your plans. And folks, it's, it's a tough place to be. But if you're going to do and live for God, it's the only place to be. And the three trees, they accepted God's plan. Am I making sense today? Let, let's move on quickly. The little candy cane. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. It was a beautiful story, and I love the way. But here's what I kind of grabbed out of that. You see, the same problem we have today is the same problem they had then. Our way is in the way of his way. Can I say it again? Our way is in the way of his way. Now, I've got a long portion of scripture I want to read to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And it's, on, it's going to be on the screen. I think it's on the screen, Bob. Yeah. And I want you to, I'm just going to read it off the screen because I want you to grab a hold of this. The message of the cross is foolish to those headed for destruction. Now, I want you to look at that word foolish for a second. And it's very enlightening, very encouraging, but very challenging. Because when I want my way over his way, he said, who's the foolish one? The message of the cross, it's my way or the highway. Should I have put an addendum on that? Addendum, my way, highway, addendum. Okay. The message of the cross is foolish to who? We don't want Jesus first and foremost in our life. It's foolish to who? Go, go ahead. It's on the screen. You can go ahead and read it. It's foolish to who? See, we're kind of timid to even say it because, oh, God, where are you at? Go ahead, Bob. Next line. Oh. Oh, he only put the ones up there that I asked him that I highlighted. Thank you, Bob. Uh, okay. But look at that. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Okay. Now the scripture says, it's up on the screen. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. You think you're all that in a bag of chips? God said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligent of the, of the intelligent. You know what God's saying? And I've got it in this next portion here. Uh, you've got it in your notes. I only put certain things on the screen. So where does this lead the philosophers? Where does this lead the scholars? Where does this lead the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. Folks, we can think we got it all figured out, but God said all things aren't as they seem. It was foolish to the Jews who asked for signs. It was foolish to the Greeks who sought human wisdom. And so God compliments me. He said, so when we preach Christ, we preach him crucified. To the Jews, they're offended. And to the Greeks, it's nonsense. 
Another translation said God chose the foolishness of preaching. That was just a pat on my back right there. Look what it goes on here to say. But those God called to salvation, Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And his foolish plan is wiser than man's wisest plan. See, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, we need to ask God, where are you in my plans? How many want God's plans? See, God says, of God's weakness, it's stronger than a human's greatest strength. Brothers and sisters said, there are few of you. I love the way that God puts this stuff in there. He said, there's few of you that was very smart. Well, that's not exactly how he said it. He's fewer of you that were very wise in the world's eyes or powerful in the world's wealth when God called you. He said, instead, God chose those things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they got it all together. Think about it for a second. A baby? Couldn't God have done it a different way? A candy cane to share the entire gospel? Come on. He chose things that were powerless. A little baby. To shame the powerful King Herod. God chose the things the world despised and counted nothing at all and used them to bring what the world considers important. As a result, nobody can boast in God. But look what God says. He united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Jesus the wisdom of it all. And then God made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only in God. I I look at that little candy cane, and I think immediately of King Herod. I think immediately of what happened. King Herod wouldn't give up anything for anything. But God said, fine, I'll use a little baby to overthrow everything. And he did. Are you with me today? But here's what I want you to grab a hold of, and this is what I was looking for a minute ago. And I did have it written down just in another section. He said, King Herod, like the priest, chose to ignore God. King Herod, like the priest, chose to ignore God. Herod's religious people, not godly people, but religious people, they knew the answers. They even, or even the religious and the ungodly in today's society knows what a Christian is supposed to be like, knows how we're supposed to live, knows all the answers. Matthew chapter 2, look at this. It says, it said it all the way back in Micah chapter 5, gathering together the chief priests, the scribes, and the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. King Herod, who had no desire to worship, he just wanted to get rid of the coming king. And he gathered together who? 
those that were supposed to be godly, the priests and the Pharisees and the scribes. And you know what? They knew exactly where he was going to be born. Less than five miles away. Why didn't God show up in the palace? Why did God show up in the stable? Why didn't God show up to the kings? Why did God show up to the shepherds? Just like that little candy cane. He said, I don't need a whole lot to save the world. I have a little message. And it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Here's the problem. They quoted scripture. They knew chapter and verse, but they didn't obey it. They knew the scripture pointed to the Savior, but they themselves didn't go to worship. Can I tell you something? I want to bring it right down to where we live. People will turn to the church and to church people when everything upon, when it's fall, falling apart and they got no place else to turn. They will turn to the church. I was pastoring in California during the uh, 1989 uh, earthquake. Remember the Battle of the Bays, the World Series, and all that stuff that was going on? I was pastoring there when those bridges collapsed and, and hundreds and hundreds of people were killed. And, uh, I mean, the whole Bay Area was, was turned upside down. I was pastoring there. Can I tell you something? We didn't have room for the people coming to church. They were wondering, what, 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 what's God doing? What's happening? They were wondering, what's God? And they came to church, and we had multitudes saved. Lives changed. But the question that I always ask myself at the time when the people are looking for answers, do we have what they need and can they see in us? There's lots of people in the church. They can cite chapter and verse. They can even talk a pretty good talk. But it doesn't take long for the world to see that they don't believe what they say when the walk and the talk don't come together. Folks, this is Christmas. Jesus is legal this time of year. Make sure your walk and talk is the same. Because you may be the only Jesus they ever see. I'm going to begin to wrap this up. Hopefully I'm doing justice about the three trees and about the candy cane. Because the last thing I want to talk about is the wreath. Because you see, Christmas is not a legend. It is a reality, but more so, it is the reality. And in the church, the world is hoping that Christians have the real relationship that they're looking for. The wise men, they sought the king, and they found him. You know, Jeremiah chapter 29, 13, we love 29, 11. I know the plans that God has for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future. And I've shared this, that God was talking to the people of Israel as they were coming out of 70 years of captivity. But did he, you know what he said in the 13th verse? He said, do you want to accomplish the plans that I have for you? Look what he says. He said, you will find me 
when you seek me with all of your heart. You're not going to find God just going to church. You've got to have a reason. You've got to have a purpose. Why? God placed eternity in your heart, so he will always be drawing you, but you and I are the ones that have to find him. The three wise men, or the wise men, whether three or not, most famous men in history, went to a baby shower. And they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Last time you went to a baby shower, how many of you took gold? I know some of you moms would like, I got some gold. Frankincense, oh, I'd like, I'd like some perfume. The myrrh, eh. I want my baby to live, not die, because that was the picture. The gold was the representation of offering tribute to a king or a ruler. They understood who they were coming to. They were not coming to give something. They were coming to return. Frankincense, the picture of an aromatic mist that would represent worship and adoration and praise. Frankincense and its other half was myrrh, part of the holy anointing oil that God used to anoint the high priest. So when, the, when, when one of the wise guys brought frankincense, they were bringing to anoint him who would be the high priest. And the third thing was myrrh. Or myrrh was an embalming fluid. Why would you bring myrrh? Well, the Bible says on that day when he was on Calvary, they offered him a mixture of wine and myrrh. It was a sedative. It was an embalming fluid. Part of the anointing process that you would bring to a burial. One pointed to the fact that he was going to be king of kings and lord of lords. The other appointed to the fact that he was going to be worshipped and magnified. And the third appointed to the fact that he was going to be the price for all of mankind. Everything pointed to eternity wrapped around this symbolic moment of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. From death, from birth to death to resurrection. Still, when it was all said and done, do you know the greatest gift? that was given was not the gift of the gold, the frankincense, or the myrrh. The greatest gift was the fact that they left everything to find him. Folks, you can return your tithe. You can give your offerings. You can even show up in church and say, bless God, I'm here. And God said, okay, where am I in your plans? Christmas. The Reality. Aren't you glad that God put us in his plans? He loved us so much. Folks, as the worship team comes, Jesus wasn't born to become the king of the Jews. That little baby was already king of the Jews when he was born. He was already Messiah when he was born. He was king of kings. He was lord of lords. He was savior. He was lamb of God at birth. And once you look at the screen, ladies and gentlemen, because the reality, the magi offered him themselves. The shepherds offered themselves. L- l- listen, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. The thief on the cross offered himself. And you know what Jesus did in turn? He offered himself right back. He said, if you'll give me all of you, I'll give you all of me. 
Christmas. The reality of life. Folks, it's all about gifts. But only after it's about the gift. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I don't think Mary and Joseph fully understood that. But as their life went on, they began to understand eternity's picture. Jesus didn't come, ladies and gentlemen, to be conquering king. He came as a suffering servant. That he could give you and I victory over the sufferings of this life, knowing that our king conquered the world of sin. But to do that, he may have to take the acts of transformation and cut off your plans that he can fulfill his plan. Oh, but don't worry. He'll sweeten it with his goodness. Oh, it may be a little candy cane. It may be something else. I don't know. But he'll sweeten it because he says, you know, it's my goodness going to bring you to repentance. It's my goodness. It's going to draw you. And then he's going to put a wreath on the door of your heart. And he said, you're mine for eternity. If you'll let it be about my plans. We can be servants to sin. Or we can be victorious children living for the king and overcoming sin. I know we had an altar call before service. But maybe you're here. And you say, well, okay, I wasn't quite ready then, but now. Today, you can give a sin-filled life to Jesus. And he'll take it and he'll say, oh, I love the gift. I love the gift. Because when you give him your sin, he's got a better gift to give back. A forgiven life. Christmas. Jesus will do in your life what he was born, lived, and died to do. He will forgive you. He will exchange your sin for his gift, the gift of eternal life. And he'll place a wreath of victory on the door of your life. Will you come to him? Today, I don't care where you are, I don't care where you've been. All this preacher cares is where you're going. The song they played when I gave my life to the Lord. This is a song that we're going to play right now. This song probably means more to me than any song ever done. Matter of fact, so powerful was the song, it became the only song that Billy Graham used for his altar calls. Because God says... It doesn't matter who or what you are. You part of the nothing or you part of the something. He'll say these words. Just as I am without No excuses. No problems, no difficulties, no woulda, shoulda, couldas. He just said, Right where you are, would you come? If you're here and your heart's not right with God, 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Would you just take a step and come find a place of this service before we change the order of the day? Would you come quickly? Quickly. We've already had an altar call, but there's never an opportunity to miss salvation. Would you come? Just as I am and waiting not to Just dance. 
today's messages. You might think, you know, a little bit challenging for a Christmas message. Folks, I look at the world and I look what's going on. I look at the Middle East and I look at God's Word. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But it is time for us to get a part of His plan. It's time. And it's not. You read through the news, there's a lot of people looking 2018 as a very demonstrative year. I, I don't know. But I know, according to God's Word, in Him I have peace. In Him I have peace. I don't care what they do. In Him I have peace. And that's the message of Christmas. In Him I have peace. Even if He had to take and cut off my plans. He'll sweeten it with his mercy. That he can build my life for eternity just like that wreath. Amen. We love you. On behalf of my wife and I, our entire staff, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.